All right. Uh, let's start with a story this morning, Sally. It's a true story. Um, a man and his 10-year-old son were off for a fun summer getaway, which hopefully none of y'all planned for this Sunday because this would not be a good Sunday to do it. A fishing trip miles from home. On Sunday morning, the little boy insisted. He said, Daddy, it's Sunday morning. We have to go to church. They went to the first church they could find, a small rural church. They were warmly greeted by the regulars. There was an opening hymn. They passed around the collection plate. The dad, you know, he, he didn't have any cash on him, so he, he slipped his son a dime to put in, in the plate. Uh, as they, they walked back to their car after the service, the dad, he was kind of complaining, kind of grumbling. He said, you know, the sermon was too long. The singing was off key. You know, the service was too long. And the little boy said, Daddy, I thought it was pretty good for 10 cents. <laughs> this morning, we're going to talk about what we want from God. Most of us are here because we actually want far more than 10 cents worth from church. And we want a lot more from God. And actually, I don't want to talk about what we want from God. I want to talk about what we long for from God. Like, what does your soul need? If you think about what would just really be satisfying to you, what do you desire, what do you earnestly, like deeply need and want? What does your soul long for? I know for me, sometimes I just like, I long for like sunshine, especially in the winter. I'm like, you know what would just do my soul good is, is sunshine. Or just to have a cup of coffee on the porch in the morning, just five minutes of peace and quiet. And, you know, I don't think it's the caffeine addiction. I just think it's, you know, I long for, you know, that time. I long for good time with friends, people who have known me for a while, who get me, who I don't need to explain myself to. That's really satisfying for me. I was talking to a couple of women, um, you know, my friends, they both, they're, they're moms. I was talking about doing what really gives us, us life. I think I was talking about, you know, walking my dog in the morning when the sun's shining and it's nice and, you know, you hear the birds chirping and it's calm and peaceful. It's, you know, nice for me. And uh, one, of, one of the girls was like, oh, I don't have time for any of that. You know, I barely have time to clean my kitchen in the evening, watch watch." TV with my husband. And, um, you know, I can clearly get when somebody's telling me, like, not an option. So, you know, I didn't say anything, but I was like, you know, don't watch TV with your husband. Like, prioritize what truly makes you happy and what truly satisfies uh, your soul. I have actually a theory about longings and desires, are our soul longings. And I think they're actually good things. I think they're planted in us by God. And when we follow our deepest heart cries, they lead us to God. Our deepest desires, I think, are pretty typically normal, healthy, good things. It's, it's our wants that we have to be careful of. So like we want entertainment. 
We want to watch movies, TV.、Um, you know, I went to my library, and they actually have have binge boxes now. You can go to your library, and it's a box with I think there's like microwave popcorn and a whole season of DVDs on it. I'm like. Binge boxes from the library, like that's. I mean, I've been known to watch more TV than I should,、um, but you know, binge watching TV is now like a thing.、Um, so, so we want this entertainment, but what we really long for is to relax, to experience calm, to experience peace. And I think that there's something in that that only God can fulfill for that for us is to give us rest. To restore us, because He made us, He knows us, and He wants to give us that deeply satisfying rest that we won't find in binging on TV. We feel like we want popularity, to have our phones ringing, to have have a whole little group of friends like we always dreamed about in middle school. But I think we're wired, and our deep longing is for relationship. And that's a good thing. I think that points us to what God wants to do in us—to plant us in real community in the church, for us to receive the real love of God that He wants to give to us. We feel like we want approval and recognition. We have these fantasies of, you know, our boss telling us, "Wow, you are the best employee I've ever had. You're like the most valuable person here of everyone combined." And you know. But we really need and long for encouragement and affirmation. That's a good thing. And deep down, we want what only God can give us, which is for God the Father to say, "Well done." Doctors,、um, if you go to like a nutritionist or, or something,、uh, doctors will tell you that sometimes when you feel hungry, you're not really hungry; you're actually thirsty. Hunger is kind of the more immediate need that we feel or respond to, but what our bodies really need is 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 water. Is is we're thirsty,、um, and so what do we do? We we eat a cookie instead of drinking a glass of water. Hunger is more immediate, but thirst is deeper down、um, and a deeper need, and we do that with our souls. Right? Instead of drinking the pure water that we need of, of relationships or solitude, journaling,、um, rest, we just like throw some potato chips at our souls and then move on. The problem is, I don't think most of us really know what we're actually thirsty for. The author Parker Palmer said that our souls are kind of like wild animals. They only come out when they think it's safe. And most of us go through our life like crashing and thrashing and making a ton of noise, and our souls are afraid to actually truly emerge. We need to create time and space to really understand what our souls need. Desires are like branches floating downstream. You can push a branch down and submerge it, but it's going to pop up somewhere else. I can push down what I really want and long for. But I know it's gonna pop up somewhere else. You know, I can tell. I can tell my twin sister, who I love more than anyone else, like, oh no, no, it's fine, Katie. When when you visit from far away, you can go see other people. That's fine. But you know what? Sooner or later in that visit, it's gonna pop up, and I'm gonna say, why didn't you spend more time with me? I can suppress my desires, but they're gonna come up in other ways. I've had a lot of things 
that I've wanted in life. But paying attention to my real longings has been really what has brought me closer to God, ultimately. Last week, as I've shared with some of you, we actually got a huge step closer to uh, fulfilling something that we've prayed for for a really long time. Last week, we got to meet the girls who will be becoming our daughters uh, in a short amount of time. You know, of all the things I've wanted, really, I think I'm so glad that God did not give me things I wanted to give me what I really, really long for. Um, we met the girls on Wednesday of last week. We had a very nice visit. Uh, they left, and I really spent the rest of Wednesday crying on and off. I sent pictures around to people private, privately because um, they're not legally adopted or anything, and cried. I called my sister and cried. I talked to Stephen and cried. Um, but it was, it was something that I really, really have longed for. Um, we started this process uh, in a different state. We started this process again here. Um, it's been years of um, working towards that. Um, but I'm so glad that God did not give me things that I wanted in order to give me um, really what I long for. So it's good to be in touch uh, with what you long for, what brings you happiness. Um, I actually think that most people should spend more time pursuing what they deeply desire and long for. It's, it's the want that we need to just clear, clear that shelf away. Uh, C.S. Lewis says this when he writes that it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. This morning I want us to pursue what really satisfies. To be honest about who we are the longings that God's planted in our hearts and bring them into the presence of our loving Heavenly Father. If you want to open up your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalm 42 and 43. As we turn to read the Word of God this morning, would you pray with me? Jesus, this morning we give you our attention and we also give you our hearts, our minds, our desires, the things of this week, and we place them into your capable hands. We give you ourselves. Would you shape us? Would you mold us? Would you transform us? And would you speak to us through your word this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 42 says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul thirsts, longs after you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? 
Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. From the land of the Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Save me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send out your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. I will praise you with music, O God, my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Amen. It is now our fourth week looking at the Psalms. The Psalms are a collection of uh, poems of praise written by various people in the Hebrew Scriptures. And one of the questions we can ask as we look at the Psalms is, is how do they all fit together? Is this just like a um, prayer soup? You just kind of dig your spoon in and just kind of see what comes out like, Oh, look, I got some, some prayer, some praise and confession in this. Or is it more like a plated meal that, you know, veggies are over here, meats over here? You know, is there, is there some rhyme and reason to this? So there are three approaches to the Psalms. The first looks at the type of Psalms. The same way we have genres in, in books or movies, the Psalms can be divided by type. So there's five main types, praise, wisdom, Royal Psalms, which are about King David, um, Thanksgiving, and Lament. And this is good because we get to see the whole range of our emotions and the whole range of what we can pray to God. So if something really good has happened in your life, you can find a psalm of praise. If you're really mourning injustice, um, oppression, maybe you're really struggling with you know, human trafficking or the wrongs of our world, there's a perfect prayer for that. Another way to look at the psalms is more of a, a functional approach, uh, looking at how these psalms were used as worship. This way would categorize the Psalms by how they would have been used by the people of Israel in their worship life. So you have Psalms of Ascent when the Israelites were going, going on pilgrimage. This is what they, they prayed. Or you'd have uh, the Psalms that were used in the New Year's festival, which celebrated the enthronement of the king. 
And this really helps us connect to how they were used. The Psalms were the prayer book of Israel. They were also the prayer book of Jesus. And this helps us to see the Psalms as a way of communal life and worship. There's a third way to look at the Psalms, and this is called the canonical approach. The canonical means whole Bible. Um, And this looks... um, at how the Psalms relate to the rest of the the scriptures. So the Psalms are organized into five books. Book one is Psalm one through 41. Book two of the Psalms starts with ours right here, Psalm 42, Um, and it's divided up, et cetera, et cetera, five books. Now, every Jewish person who hears five books thinks, The first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So there's a way in which the structure of the Psalms being divided into five books actually mirrors the start of the Hebrew scriptures being divided into five books. The first five books of the Bible tell the history of the Israelite people of God. The Psalms tells the heart story of the people of God. The same way that Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy tells the story of Israel's ups and downs, the threats to them, their sins, the grace and triumph of God. The five books of the Psalms tells the heart history of their frustration, their their ups and downs, their fears, their doubts, and the joy that they find in following God. And I find the the five-book psalm structure mirroring the five-book history structure really cool. It puts a God lens, and it helps us uh, see what God is doing in our bigger story and in our hearts. So if we we match these five books up, um, this is Psalm 42 is the start of the second book. And so that would uh, kind of correlate to Exodus. Exodus, which talks about God's deliverance, bringing us into a new land, into a new season. If you're in an Exodus season, if you're in a time where God is bringing you out of one thing into something new, then this is a good psalm for you. And just because of that, it's a two for one. Psalm 42 and 43 actually go together. Um, when we look at the content, it's the same. The refrain is the same through, through the two. So Psalm 42 and 43 were originally one. Uh, two for one, just for, just for you guys. Uh, the writer starts by saying that he longs for, like, like physically desires the presence of God. And this isn't just like some super spiritual person who's like, oh, I want to be more spiritual. I want more. No, he's saying he needs just any of the presence of God. He, he knows what it is to be with God, and he longs to experience that again. He takes time to, to reflect and, and evaluate what he wants. He thinks about his, his real feelings, uh, and that actually leads him to, to hope and praise. And we'll see this repeated throughout this psalm. He remembers his history with God, verses uh, 6 through 7. He remembers that God is with him, 
And as he remembers that God is with him, it kind of makes him ask, then why is it so bad? Being like separated from God feels terrible. He remembers the great times that he had with God. And again, he repeats this course. He reflects on how he's feeling. He gathers up some hope, and that leads him into praise. Um, He cries out for help, asking very specifically for God to intervene in the ways he needs. Again, he reflects on his feelings. It leads him to hope and into praise. In this psalm, I kind of see like resignation and hope, like like tied together in prayer. It's like a um, pearl necklace. And, And prayer is the string that holds this necklace together. And it may seem a little strange to put kind of like resignation, like things are really bad, guys, and then hope. Oh, I hope in God to put these next to each other on a precious necklace. But that's what we see, that the two are tied together in prayer and that he can go from resignation to hope, resignation to hope, because he's in the presence of God and he's doing it in prayer. This poet is honest about what he's feeling. Can we be honest? Can we be honest in our prayer? I, I feel like this refrain is a great like chorus for our life. He says, why do I feel this way? What's going on in me? I should probably ask a lot what's going on in me. Like, Sarah, how are you doing today, Sarah? What's going on? Christians, you know, we don't always feel comfortable expressing dissatisfaction. You know, we feel like uh, the spiritual thing to do is, is to say, like, what feelings? God is good. I'm fine. Like, that would be spiritual, right? You know, the thing about sweeping things under the carpet is it can work really well. Does anyone else ever clean that way? When guests come over, my living room is as clean looks as good as it ever does. My bedroom looks the worst it ever does. I go through my living room. I take the random junk. I gather it into my arms. I deposit it in my bedroom. And voila, the house is clean. My husband is shaking his head. I try, I try not to do it that often, right? Sweeping dirt under the carpet works fine until you start tripping on the lumps. What used to be a nice rug is now bumpy and and dangerous. The floor is clean, but you've sacrificed something else. The writer is clearly not happy in this psalm. Like, let's be honest, he's depressed. Uh, He says, I'm discouraged, I'm disturbed, uh, I'm on a strict diet of tears, my soul is cast down, I'm mourning. He ain't in a good spot, and he doesn't hide it. Being honest is about the most spiritual thing we can do. It names reality and it brings it before God, claiming God as the one who can do something about it. The monk Thomas Merton says, true spirituality is not an escape from reality, but a total commitment to it. The writer's not spiritual because he says spiritual stuff but because he lives into the full reality of who he is and who God is. So things are bad. Then he goes on. 
I will put my hope in God and praise him because he is my savior and my God. 2,000 years ago, something happened physically, materially. It's a historical fact that changed the world. God didn't stay where he belonged. The dead didn't stay dead. Our categories of God, our categories of ourselves were shattered. The impossible happened, and it's changed everything since. Jesus' death and resurrection are something we can put our hope in because it's a physical, historical reality and a spiritual reality. This is why God didn't sit up in heaven and he said, okay, you guys, you're forgiven. I'm making a way forward for y'all down there. He didn't do that. This is why Jesus wasn't a disembodied spirit. It wasn't just a spiritual thing. It was also an earthly reality. It's a here and now reality that impacts what happens to us every day. It has changed things more than any election, more than any economic shift because it happened here and it happened in the spiritual realm. When we think about historical events that have impacted us, like like the Civil War has real lasting impacts from that event happening here and now. The life of Jesus is a historical reality that affects us here and now because it happened on earth in bodies, in physical reality, affects our reality. This is why Jesus became a person like you and me, because he wants to concretely change people like you and me. In Jesus, God said, you are my beloved. You are my beloved creation, and there's no links that I won't go to for you. What happens in the cross is just like this amazing exchange God gathers up all our sin and brokenness into God's own self, and he transforms all that death into life. Jesus takes our junk and he exchanges it for his blessedness. The resurrection is this reality, this sure thing that we stand on. There's so many reasons to believe in the resurrection. It's a whole nother, nother sermon. Um, but the resurrection happened And in its reality, there's resurrection for those who follow Jesus. The life and work of Jesus is a spiritual reality on which we stand. But as we stand on this one reality, we can also look forward to another reality. We reach forward to another reality. We stand in between two great events. The first is what Jesus has come and done for us. And the second is that he's coming again. The first is what Jesus has accomplished for us. And the second is what he will complete for us. This is the time of history that we stand in. These are the defining moments for us. And they define our reality, who we are, how confident we can stand in Jesus and how confidently we can lean forward to what he has for us. Revelation 22 says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among people, and he will dwell with them. 
They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. This is something good to long for. For the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. What we are truly thirsty for, what we really long for, we have great things to look forward to in the kingdom of God. Our longings, I really believe, are planted in us by God because they point us to something more. Our longings are fulfilled in Jesus. In the God who made us, the God who knows us, the God who enters into the worst with us, the God who brings us into new life. God wants us to long for rightness because it points us forward to what he's doing. God wants us to to long for relationship because it draws us into the life-changing community of the church. God wants us to long for rest and renewal and restoration because it draws us closer to the God who can do that in us. One theologian writes, uh, in human beings, knowledge of the living God awakens a hunger and a thirst for life. When we follow Jesus, we start to dream a little bigger because we're being called forwards. We have a hope in a restored creation. We know that we can have closeness with God that's like amazing. So we say, great, let's have it. Let's bring it on, right? We know that God has defeated evil. So when we see injustice, we're like, what is this still doing here, right? We are called in Jesus to dream a little bigger and to long for the things that God is going to be accomplishing in our world. Our real desires can be fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus fulfills our longings for restoration and redemption, but our longings also point us forwards to what will be, to what God will complete. As we move into a time of worship, the worship team can uh, come on back. We're going to be worshiping God through music. Let's allow the knowledge of the living God to awaken a hunger and thirst for life in us. Let's ask ourselves, what do we really long for? What are we missing that would really just satisfy us? Let's reflect on what's going on inside our hearts to ask, what's going on inside of my heart this morning? Uh, As we move in to worship, let's examine our hearts before God. Uh, Worship it, uh, it kind of turns some things over in our hearts as we come before God. Uh, One author says that worship tills the ground, tills the soil of our hearts, exposes rocks, it exposes fertile ground. It shows us what we long for. It shows us how much we love God, how much we need God. 
It shows us the places that we're holding back. Worship shows us the, the points of tension with God, and it also shows us what God has for us. So would you stand with me? God, we say this morning that we look to you. We can try and do life on our own, and we know where that leads. We know that leads around in circles. But you call us forwards, and you call us forwards to good things. Your word says that you have come, that we may have life, and we may have it abundantly. This morning, Jesus, we, we examine our hearts um, and want to be honest about our longings, our desires, our needs, what we, what we truly want from you, what would truly satisfy us emotionally, spiritually, Jesus. We come before you, and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.